We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, LightYears listeners? We're excited to invite you to the official LightYears slash Warriors World Draft Party, July 29th at Standard Deviant Brewery in San Francisco. Our first official show post-pandemic, food, drinks, real-time draft analysis, Q&As, special guests, free merch giveaways. And remember, your first drink is on us with a ticket purchase. We are excited and can't wait to see you there. Info to purchase tickets can be found on our social feeds and official LightYears link tree. Welcome to Light Years Radio. Andy Lou, we are recording this Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. You're listening to this Friday. Draft is on Thursday. We are, we are less than 48 hours away from the draft, depending on when you're listening to this. We're somewhere between 48 and 24 hours, maybe even less than 24 hours. <laughs> you, um, I'm just getting hyped off of all of it. We also got a little Team USA versus Iran tonight. Got a little Arsalan Kazimi, uh, Hamid Hadadi, about to, my boys, my boys about to cover. Iran's about to cover. They're not going to lose by 41 and a half. The backdoor cover is in. Wow. (laughs) First of all, you start the podcast with saying we're recording Thursday night, which is hilarious. Sorry, Tuesday And then you drop drop some names of the Iran players, which I shouldn't be surprised about, but... uh, they well, I dropped. I dropped the two. I dropped the two who had brief stints in the NBA. Let's be real. <laughs> I knew no one. I know the second guy, but uh, I am excited to uh, to watch to watch the uh, Team USA game. Let, let's let's do a couple minutes on that before we get to the fun draft stuff. But we do get, Team USA is is one of the uh, the most disappointing things that we've seen in the Olympics so far. Um, just an awful, awful start. I feel like they've lost every single game, Sam that uh, they've played so far. And uh, to me, the only thing I'll say is, the only thing I'm getting annoyed of is people that come in and say, the U.S. is not sending their best as one of the reasons why the U.S. Uh, oh, yeah, amazing. that's... Or the roster doesn't fit. I'm like, come on, guys. They're, they're, <laughs> Are, you serious? Are you serious? That's my yeah, favorite. Right? It's like they're missing... They don't have enough shooting or they're missing a big man. It's right. like, no, they, they have more right. than enough to get right. this done. The talent is not... The issue the here, issue. like, 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 yes, they they could send Steph, LeBron, 
Harden. Um, well, I guess they can't send Kawhi, but uh, you know they, they they could theoretically have a better squad. But there's yeah. no one better. There's no one better in this tournament than Kevin Durant. There's, I mean, of the ten best players in this they tournament, seven nine, of them are on team eight? on USA. Yeah, I mean, it's like right. you got Luca, you got um, yeah. Well, actually, Jokic isn't there, but the point stands. They have more than enough talent. Talent is not the issue. Maybe not. They maybe have not. So that's the thing I get most annoyed about. So I'm glad to hear that you're with me because, look, you got Devin. Devin Booker's playing a role. He's playing. He's a role player on this team, and he is easily a top five player in this tournament. Like what? That is not the issue. Of course, you can send Steph, like you're saying, in LeBron. But what are we doing here? So we're not doing the nitty gritty of why we think that they're they're struggling. But I just think. Cut the excuses out. You know, Team USA, disappointment. Figure it out. Go win the gold medal. Uh, stop making excuses. The only what, do you, what do you think of the statistic that of the uh, 10 losses Team USA has had in the pro era, not Greg Popovich has been on the coaching staff of nine of them? <laughs> I, you are asking me that question when you want to answer that question. Sam, your thoughts? <laughs> Sam, your thoughts? I think the my only take on Team USA is they look like they are just they're passing up every shot. It's like dudes overpassing. I, I just don't know why you're trying to install a system based on like continuity and timing mm. and chemistry when you've had two weeks of camp. Just play drive and kick, use your athleticism, trap on defense, turn the, turn guys around, keep it simple. Like, what are we doing here, Pop? Like, what are we doing, Steve? This isn't a uh, – you don't have enough time to install some sort of read-and-react motion-based system. It's just not going to happen. Oh, yeah, you know what? Now that we're on this topic, did you see Pop come out uh, after the last loss? I was up at I was, I was up at, uh, at 5 a.m. On, on Sunday morning watching it, sadly enough. He came out and said, why are we surprised – or why should we be surprised that we lost? And I'm just sitting here like – because you're the best team in the world, you have all the best players, you should be winning every game by 20, and you choke the seven-point lead with four minutes to go? But what, what, what are we talking about here? He's doing the thing where he's trying to, uh, like, play down expectations or something. I, I don't – it cut the crap, right? Like, to me, it's it's you guys lost. You should be embarrassed that you this lost. Is the, this is the what real FIBA. <laughs> exactly. I just – I don't <laughs> – I don't get it, Sam. Like, we should have expectations of teams. We should hold them to a high standard because they're awesome, they're talented, and they should win. You know what's the crazy part? Like, they probably, they're probably still going to win. Like, they probably, sh- they probably should. They probably still will. But, I mean, this is embarrassing. An embarrassing start. The only oh, thing yeah. I know that's going on there is, per Brian Windhorse, Draymond is doing work. He's mm. team building over there. Draymond's mm. team building. I don't know who he's team building with, you know, <laughs> Zach Levine, Jeremy Grant, Bam Adebayo. I, I don't know. I, we all thought Bradley Beal was the name, but he went home. Uh, maybe Keldon Johnson. Maybe he's recruiting Keldon Johnson. <laughs> I, I don't know. The standards but, are low. The standards keep getting lower with the names hey, that you, you throw you know, out. You know I love me some Keldon Johnson. You're so you good. I just um, – you know, I just my, my kind of guy. Just plays very hard, very physical. Do you do you think that he went to the Olympics, um, kind of just to recruit? Like, I don't know if they need him. He's been awesome. He's been very good, but you know, it's not like he's. I feel like he's just there to do one. Hey, zero four and four don't, doesn't grow on trees, man. <laughs> he um, has been great on defense. He has been great. 
He's been the only one playing yes, defense. That's true. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think he's there to do a little recruiting. I think there's a little, uh, you know, checking in with other superstars, letting them know, you know, Warriors are open for business. I think Draymond's always recruiting. Draymond, the thing I like about Draymond is I think he is highly aware of who he is as a player. He's not out here thinking he is a 20-point-per-game first option. He knows he's like the best glue guy in the league, the anchor of a defense, a good passer. But he knows for him to get like recognition of what he wants, he needs two to three big-time scorers around him so that his skills can be taken advantage of. So with that said, he's like, he's always trying to look for guys, you know, obviously him and Steph, the chemistry goes forever and not a better person for Draymond to play off of than Steph, but with clay out and, you know, who knows what version of clay we're going to get back. Maybe it's 25 minutes a game. There's, there's need for another, another player who could provide some real offense. Uh, And Draymond knows it. And, you know, he's, he's out there. I, I, I think he's, I think he's on the recruiting trail. I'll just say that. Yep. Well, we'll find out about Beal in uh, in two days. But uh, let's. Uh, we're not talking about <laughs> it today. We talked about Beal a couple, <clears throat> couple days ago. Let's many to, many uh, times. Many, yeah. Many times over the year. Let's get to the fun stuff today. Someone in the, someone in the chat goes, "Coffee is for closers." I love it. Yeah, Draymond Draymond would uh, would be very much into it. Glenn, Glenn G- Gary yes, Glenn Gross ABC always yes. be closing. Yes, he would be. Big 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 corporate bro guy. <laughs> Friend of the show. Yeah, dude. And now that I think about it, like, is is there anyone in the Warriors organization you think would be a better closer on a sales call in Draymond? Maybe Joe Lacob. That's it. Oh, those yeah. two are those two oh. are on a tier of their own. They're on a tier of their own. They think they can close anything and they just might be able to close anything. Okay, so I would I would say Draymond and Joe are, are coming in with like the hot like super aggressive, really always selling type of clothes. I think the sneaky guy is Bob Myers. I think he would be the uh, he would be the emotional kind of be your best friend relationships with everybody up and down the the organization, yeah. right? Like he would be a like a sneaky, just an elite type of guy. I think Steph talking to you about talking to you about your kids over a glass of oh. wine and getting emotional. Yeah, that's how that's how Bob does business. It's always over a glass kid. of wine. <laughs> I would think like uh, who's an, who's an, Steve? I don't know. I don't know if Steve's that kind of guy. I, yeah, I'd go Bob and then. But Joe, Joe is uh she threw some elite Joe Lake of quotes out there on the timeline today. You mentioned like he's probably the best. There's nobody that gets you more pumped up about a product than Joe Lake of, I don't think. I mean, I've I'm so hyped about Kuminga, Booknight, Giddy, so Joe Lakeup's doing his job. <laughs> uh, with that being said. Yeah, let's let's get into the prospects. Actually, I want to ask you guys. You guys can call and tell me who's the best. Who's the best closer on the team? Who can close the sale the best on the Warriors? <laughs> um, all right. So we got some new information today. I feel pretty confident if the Warriors hold on to this pick, and not even just hold on to the pick, but sit at seven, it's between three names, maybe four. Okay. Um, okay. Connor, Connor Letourneau wrote this. He goes, with pre-draft workouts done, the Golden State front office is making final adjustments to its big board. A league source said that in addition to Giddy, the Warriors would consider Connecticut guard James Booknight, G League Ignite forward Jonathan Kuminga, and perhaps one or two other at number seven. 
Um, is a popular choice for Warriors and mock drafts. Davion Mitchell likely won't be the Warriors pick at seven. We've talked about this kind of, I feel like we've really gone through the whole draft cycle. You know, Sam Vecini, Anthony Slater, Jonathan Wasserman have been really kind to join us on the show. To me, it's Kaminga, Booknight, Giddy, and Moses Moody are really the only names in play at seven. And, um, I mean, I guess there's always an off chance like Jalen Suggs or someone falls, but I'm assuming that's off the board. Uh, let's talk a little about let's talk a little bit about those players right now. Uh, the other thing that Connor Letourneau noted here is Giddy is gaining momentum. Everyone was really impressed with what they saw of him in Vegas against Nigeria. He did have an excellent game against a Nigeria uh, team who has kind of a lot of NBA caliber defenders and they play aggressive defense. A lot of the things you're worried about with Josh Giddy, like can he handle under pressure didn't seem to really be a problem, at least in that one game against like legitimate adult NBA competition. Right. And I'm just wondering here, where are you at with those guys? Where is Andy Liu? Where is his big board? What is his preference? Well, my preference right now kind of stays the same. I didn't, you know, last year, I think I changed my kind of my preference about 15 times. I think I told you I like LaMelo Ball one week. Then I told you I like Wiseman one week. This time, I've kind of stayed the same. Um, I'm big on book night just in terms of the way I look at players now. I used to be a huge, like old Andy, 2015 Andy would have been big Moses Moody, big giddy. Just give me the longer guy, smart player, doesn't do anything too crazy, doesn't make mistakes and put him out there. But as I get a little bit older, Sam, I'm kind of all in on the guys that I think can make a larger impact on the game, especially in the postseason. And especially if you're looking at a seventh overall pick, I think you're looking at only two players. I think you're only looking at Book Knight and you're looking at Kaminga. And I don't really even like Kaminga that much. Like, he's not really that impressive. He's more of a, damn, you're waiting three years type of guy, right? And yeah. so he's wing version of Wiseman to me. So I'm kind of all in on book night. The thing about Moody and Giddy to me is I throw like Franz Wagner in that same sentence with those two guys. Like if you like you talked about this weeks ago, put me at pick 10 or 11. I'm happy with any of them. With pick seven, like give me a guy that I think might be a superstar. And I don't know if I see that from those two names, those other two names, right? Those those other two wing players. The only thing I'll say is so if you're a believer in Josh Giddy. You're a believer in two things. Um, you're a believer that his shooting comes around because if he can't shoot the ball, he's just a, you know, he's just another yeah. high IQ guy who passes. Mm-hmm. So for mm-hmm. me, it's really, if you think that shot, like give it a year or so and he'll be close to 40% from three, then you're talking about a really special player because the one thing that stands out to me is like, I, I get shocked that he's 18 because he reads the game like a veteran. You know what I'm saying? Like the passes he makes, the way he uses his body, um, even though he could fill out and get stronger, that's not stuff you see from 18-year-olds. Like he he knows how to play basketball, and I think he could get in the Warriors rotation day one just purely on IQ. And if he could shoot the ball a little bit, he might play a lot day one with upside to go farther. I guess the one thing I'm saying is while he's going to get all these LaMelo comps, and I think that's unfair because LaMelo is – like a couple tiers above him athletically. I think we're underselling how hard it is to find a six, eight, six, nine guy with that type of IQ at that age. Like there's a lot of potential for him to get a lot better. 
The only thing about Giddy, and I, I agree, he kind of reminds me. I would love watching Josh Giddy. I would love watching him on the team. Kind of reminds me of a Kyle Anderson like player. The only thing I, I just at that pick, it's can he actually get by guys? Can he actually get his own shot off? Um, if you're content with him just kind of being a high IQ passer, decent defender, maybe he'll develop a three. Then sure, like pick that guy. Um, but if you think, but if you're telling me that he's also able to get by guys and create his own shot, I don't know if he's able to do that. But he's also too young, right? Like he's 18, he could be able to do that. But with Lamelo Ball, even though I was low on him, you could see he had the flair, he had the ability to do that, he had the handle. Yeah, he had no problem getting the know. shot off. I just yeah. didn't know if he could. I didn't know if he could make well, it. You didn't know if he could <laughs> shoot. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. And then it was the type of shots that he would take too, which I was like, yeah. I don't know. Turns out extremely wrong. But with Giddy, it's like, can he actually do it though? Like he's not even close in that Lamelo tear where he can get his own shot off like that any any time he wants. So so let me let me walk you through this. So I'm going to talk about the four players here, and here's where I'm at with them. If you like Josh Giddy. You are a big believer in his shooting ability coming around. There's no reason to take him at seven if you think he's going to be like a 32% three-point shooter for the rest of his career. I think the size is impressive. I think the IQ is impressive. I think he's going to get stronger just the way all young players do. So I'm not worried about any of that. The only question with him is, do you think that shot's coming? Everything else I feel he'll improve over time. With Book Knight. I feel like the question is, do you think he's a playmaker? Because if he's just going to be a bucket getter, he's kind of a sixth man. If you think he can pass the ball a little bit and make reads, he has a chance to be like a 6'4", 6'5", Donovan Mitchell, where you're just like, why do we sleep on this guy? He's just got incredible burst and shot-making ability, incredible body control and feel, all that sort of stuff. But it comes down to if you think he can make plays. Now, if you want to take Jonathan Kamingo, what you're really telling me is you really believe in your coaching staff because I think he's got all the tools and he's like a year or two behind everyone I mentioned in terms of ability to play basketball. Like <laughs> it might even be worse than Wiseman in terms of he just he gets the ball and wants to go into his move at all times. And the problem is he makes it just enough to justify it, but he doesn't make it nearly enough to do it with Steph on the floor with him, right? Like he's just, he's such an unmolded like ball of wax where you're just like 6'7", 230 pounds, can handle, can shoot a little bit, can pass, but he doesn't really know how to do any of it in terms of playing basketball. So with him, it's like you draft him, you're really saying, I believe in my development staff, we can get this guy. I, we can we can get this guy to that level because he's got you know we can get him to that level. Yeah, I uh okay, so we're on the Kaminga side now. I I am not enthralled. Actually, I am not excited about Wing Wiseman. Is is what I call him. He, he just he's so far away. He's not that enjoyable to watch, but he has the tools to where like I said, he, it is like it's to me it's a Brandon Ingram situation. It's just it's 3 years. There is no, here, Kaminga, you can help us 10 minutes in your rookie year, and then we'll gradually move you forward to 15, 20, and you can develop your... No, 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 no. He needs his touches. He needs to be able to play basketball. It's like Jordan Poole, right? He needs to be able to play big minutes in a situation that's stress-free, stress where Steve Kerr is not telling him, if you make a mistake, you're, you're on the hook, right? Like, he cannot be in that situation. He has to play basketball. Like, 
for me, Josh Giddy in that situation, Moses Moody in that situation, I think is perfect. Like those guys are 10 minutes, 12 minutes, and then you can expand it from there. Um, Kaminga, Sam, no shot. With Book Knight, I think it's kind of towing the, the line. Because it's I in between. Yeah, I yeah. think I think there you can put him in a microwave score kind of position and take him out because I think he has that type of confidence where it's just going to be like, hey, I'm just going to do whatever I want, whatever I want, kind of like Jordan Poole. But I think Book Knight has way more upside than Jordan Poole. I think he's more athletic. I think he has a better handle. The vision stuff, I'm with you with the vision stuff. but He's bigger. You can too. teach that stuff. Yeah, you can teach. That's what you hired, you know, Jamal Malalila for, right? That's why you got that guy. Um, thought it was a funny quote that um, I forget who it was. I think it was Book Knight, um, or it was one of the draft guys that said, "Oh no, I think it was. I think it was. Um, I think it was Jalen Green that said, hey, like the Toronto Raptors has, you know, an amazing have an amazing player development system. Like that's where I kind of want to be. Maybe it wasn't Green, but it was someone else. But I thought that was interesting. That players noticed that, rookies noticed that." Um, so I think that's probably a good thing for player development, but again, it's tough. I probably go book night, Sam. I, I just, that's where I'm at too. I think he, he sits somewhere in the middle of both having extremely high long-term potential and being able to give you a little something year one, you know, not, not 30 minutes a game, but maybe you 15 minutes a game off the bench. Um, did play two years in college, you know, Fitz would have preferred three to four, but you know, he's, he's relatively seasoned. You watch him play. I don't see a player who is as much of a project as um, Kuminga or even Jordan Poole, to be honest. Uh doesn't mean he's not going to make a bunch of mistakes, but I do think he could potentially get into a rotation earlier than later. Um, and I just keep going back to Giddy because it's, he's also really intriguing because I can see a world in which he gets, you know, he puts on 10 to 15 pounds of muscle and all of a sudden he gets a shot off a little easier and the shot becomes a little more fluid and we know he's gonna be able to pass the ball and all of a sudden he looks like an absolute stud that's like a franchise player you know that everyone wants so I don't know it's a these are interesting options I kind of like the players the Warriors are picking between that's without you know a, a trade coming down I suppose yeah. Um, the other thing is, what do you think is more coachable? What do you think is easier developed? Do you think it's the ability for a player to shoot, like you're saying with Josh Giddy, Or do you think it's a player you know, to figure out ball handling and playmaking, which I think is going to be a lot of work with Moody and, and Giddy, especially those two guys? Or do you think it's something where it's, hey, let's kind of rein this guy in and kind of teach him how to play basketball, where it's Kaminga? Or is it kind of just, hey, you need to figure out how to playmake and pass, right, with book night? So like, which one of those things are more coachable? Which one of those things are more um, easier to, to develop within Steve Kerr's system, right? Like all of those things, I guess you have to take into consideration, I guess. End of the day, if all four of those guys are there, Sam, what do you think? Okay, one, who do you take? Two, who do you think the Warriors take? I'm leaning book night, and I think the Warriors are leaning book night. Well, one, all four will not be there. One of Kuminga or book night's going to be gone. Just to be clear, so right, that's fair. That's, fair. Um, that's, fair. Yeah. that's a little tougher. Right, right, tougher. Yeah. But if Book Knight's off the board, I'm now wondering if I want Kuminga or Giddy. It's a little closer Ooh. for me these days. Cool. It's a little. It's a little closer. Still hard to pass on the tools that Kuminga has. It just is. But man, when you look at the tape, when you watch him, you're like, he is very raw, like very. And I don't know. That's 
It's just tough, man. It's, it's tough. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Should we open this to some uh, yeah, some callers? Let's, let's get the goons on. Get the light years goons on. I also think that Omega holds more trade value. So that's another reason why. Well, well before we get on the trade, hey, Dylan, if you can mute yourself real quick. No um, rush. On the trade value thing, I think the player who holds most trade value is going to be the one who actually looks good when he plays. Kuminga <laughs> might have an issue. Like, if Kuminga just looks awful the way Wiseman did, I don't know how much trade value that brings you at the trade deadline. You know what I'm saying? Whereas, like, if Josh Giddy looks like Tyrese Halberton or something, where he's oh. like, whoa, this guy can really, like, you can really play. There's a lot of stuff here. All of a sudden, that has a lot of trade value, right? Like, I'm, I don't know. I'm just throwing names out there. I think, but ultimately, they have to, once once their pick, once they the NBA season starts, it's, uh, it's what people see on the floor that permits hey, trade value. James Wiseman, first 20 games. I mean, that's true. Oh, anyway, that's, I mean, that's true. A special set of circumstances. All right, Dylan, let's let's get to you. Yeah, hey guys. Um, so I'm I'm trying to stay positive and uh, you know live with our likely reality that the seven pick is going to be Jonathan Kaminga, even though I'm not high on him, but hoping I'm wrong. But um, we did see this report today that they were um, they had had a trade offer to trade down to I think it was 19 and 21, and please correct me if I got the details wrong, but um, how interested would you all be in that? And if we did get down into the late teens or twenties, like who, who that we maybe haven't talked about, like not the Duartes or Mitchells of the world that you'd be interested in. Yep. Appreciate it, Dylan. I did see that report. I just see no reason for the Warriors to do it. They don't need, 
three rookies instead of two. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I would be I'm all sure? about I would be all about that move if they were in a total rebuild and you're like, we need to take a few few more shots. So um, it doesn't make sense for the Warriors, in my opinion. I think if anything, they need to move the other direction. Maybe package seven and fourteen, try to get up to five or four or something, if possible. Of course. Yeah, I think it's it doesn't sound like it is. Shop fourteen for a vet type of move, right? I think they're keeping seven no matter what. I don't think that's going anywhere unless it's for Bo or, or someone else or a star. But the the trade back, I think, is interesting, just because the guy at fourteen that the Warriors are most connected to, Chris Duarte, could be at seventeen. Trey Murphy could be at 19. And, and again, I, I just, I'm just saying those guys can be had at like that 14 to 25 level seems like those names are kind of just the same. So maybe if you want to take two shots at it, again, I'm with you though. Do you need three rookies? But if you really love Dorte, I, I mean, he probably is there at 17. I don't, I don't know, but uh, yeah, no, ch- no chance. I think he's gone. I think he's gone at 15 or 16. Um, that's maybe, guess. maybe. Maxwell, what's up, man? Hey, guys. I have two questions. Um, my first one is a draft question. And is it is it so wrong to want to draft two guys and root for two guys that we that we drafted and were homegrown instead of an already established all-star that we trade for? Like, I, I just from a fan perspective, I think it's much more enjoyable to root for guys that you draft instead of, like, a Bradley Beal who you kind of traded for. And secondly... I have a Warriors what if. Would you guys rather have won the 2016 finals but we don't get KD or have it play out oh, as it did? Oh, God. Maxwell, appreciate it. Um, uh-oh, uh-oh. By the way, I, I agree with Maxwell. I would rather the Warriors develop players, and it is it is fun to watch them. My, my issue is not about keeping the picks and slow developing them. My issue is Steph is 33, Clay's 31, Draymond's 31. And there's very few avenues to put an appropriate roster around them that doesn't involve trading a pick or trading a young guy. There's just very few avenues to do it. So ideally, ideally, I would like them to figure out a way to put together a great roster and develop Wiseman in the seven pick at the same time. I just don't see how you do it, especially when all those guys have max deals and you have Wiggins getting a max deal too. I think the question also becomes okay. So one thing, the Warriors, if that trade is on the table for Bradley Beal, they do it, right? I think you can agree with me on that. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think they do it. If it's on the table, they do it. They don't say no. The problem here is they won't do it though for your Pascal's Yakums of the world. That's kind of the issue. Is they won't do any of those trades for kind of sub tier stars right i think they might i think they might do it i think they might do it for siakam but you take it down a level below that where you're talking about like solid starter types like who yeah they they just won't like i don't even know if they would trade 14 for a solid player they certainly in my opinion won't won't trade seven on thursday for anybody that's not named bradley peel like i don't i just don't it doesn't look like it doesn't look like it right now things can always change but it just doesn't look like it right now I would agree with Maxwell when he says, I think there is something as, as a fan, just most fans would probably enjoy rooting for a player that was drafted and kind of stayed on their team. That's why, to be honest, it's so awesome, right? It would be so awesome. It would be super fun if Wiseman got good really quick and the Warriors won a title with like Steph, Clay, Draymond, and then like Wiseman is the young guy, the way the Spurs did with, Kawhi. Right. Like objectively, that's 
great. I, I think our perspective has always been that sounds like an unrealistic fear. It's tale. not realistic. That, yeah, that's our only thing. It's just we don't know how po- possible that is. So our kind of object, our kind of talking points this last year is that we're trying to figure out ways where we're trying to make it more realistic to win a championship, not to uh, not not to get to that fairy tale scenario because I don't think that's possible. I, I just I don't know if that's possible. So. Um, anyway, yeah, I mean, the, Warrior, the Warriors did make a choice to bring in better development coaches, which they're hoping will make some of these younger players um, productive in like a winning situation faster. You know, the kind of thing the Spurs have done, this kind of thing the Raptors ha- are doing where they're able to get like a young guy in the rotation and give him something. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Um, with regards to the KD question, no, I'm not throwing away the three KD years, even if it ended with like, <laughs> the most absurd final two games ever, like how torn ACL and Achilles and back to back. Like, I don't know if you think about the way 19 ended, it was just, it was just absurd. Right. Like you just, yeah. I don't know. We wa- we watched the greatest team in NBA history that I've ever watched. Um, and I don't think there's going to be a better team in the next 10 years uh, than that team at least. So I'm not trading that away. No. Unless it's for a Bradley Beal. <laughs> hey, James. James, what's up, man? Hey, fellas. I just wanted to talk a little bit about Pick 7 to 14, obviously. all I've been consuming this content like crazy. All the stuff I've been reading lately has Book Knight going at 6 to OKC. I would love him at 7. But I think uh, I'm with Andy. And Wayne Wiseman and Jonathan Kuminga just terrifies me. And so I'm looking here at Giddy, Moody, or somebody you guys didn't talk about in the four names that you had, Franz Wagner. So I'm curious what you guys think of Wagner, if he's kind of in that tier of seven is too high, but he's not going to be there at 14. And then uh, just one Giddy take. I think his shot, it looks pretty good to me. I think it's going to project fine. What scares me is his handle. I don't know if he can get by guys. Thanks. James, appreciate it. Um, Franz Wagner. I really like Franz Wagner. Wait, did, you see the re- did you see the report? He's 6'11 now? I saw that. Supposedly. Next, he's going to be the next I, KD. He's just, just seven feet I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I know when I watch him, you know how like every wing is like 6'7 or 6'8? And some of them are a lot taller than others. Like he's, he's a big wing. He's really tall. Whatever he is, he's on the taller end of the spectrum. Um, Franz Wagner reminds me of like championship level, like glue guys. It's, it's where I think he'll be. Like, I think someone throughout uh, Andre Kirlenko, like Iguodala comes to mind. Um, Nicola Batum comes to mind. Like just these guys who are Swiss army knives who can do everything to help you win but they're never going to be like a 20 point score. Um, obviously that's, that's a high bar for him, but like, I think that's part of the reason why you don't hear his name to the Warriors at seven. Cause they're shooting for guys who have a little more sizzle upside than being that. It's exactly the reason why I'm not all in on Moody and Giddy, but I'm also, if they draft them, I'm in, right? Like it, it's, it's, it's very, it's just very, it's not that exciting, but you need those players to win championships. So I wouldn't be mad about it. Franz Wagner. A lot of people have texted me the last last few weeks just asking, like, why don't you guys talk about Franz Wagner? Why isn't he linked to the Warriors? He Steve Kerr would love him. 
Like, he's just kind of the perfect type of player. You bring up Nick Batum. Nick Prime Nick Batum was an elite, elite role player. I mean, he got a max contract. He's stealing money. The guy is yeah, an incredible basketball he's, player. He's one of those guys where it's like he's too qualified for, like, the mid-level exception. But, like, if you're giving him the max, you're, <laughs> what's your team really doing, right? Yeah, yeah, right, right. It's, I, like, I, the Igod- I, it's like the Iguodala thing, you know, hated in ooh, Philly because he wasn't. Fun. He wasn't yeah. um, a superstar there, but then he gets to a team where he can just play his game, and he's beloved because objectively he helps you win. Great comp. I just he's—you can't have that guy be your best player, but he's not drafted to be your best player. But every, like, every good team needs every team needs a guy like that. Every good team needs a guy like that. Six so. eleven kills me because if he really is seven feet, I mean, I'm just rounding up now. You know, it's how people when they say they're five ten, they're six six feet tall. Same thing. Um, Absolutely, <laughs> that is incredible length. I mean, he could be an elite defensive player. And and by the way, I don't know if he could shoot, but it seems everybody says he can, so I believe it. Right, the shot looks great. So I don't know. He's he. I mean, I I'm I'm curious why he isn't also in the talks at seven. So. By the way, just objectively a fact, any dude who says they're six foot is five, five, ten. <laughs> any dude, any dude who says they're like six one, they're probably actually six feet tall. Hey, any I, say dude who's, I say I'm six one. <laughs> yeah. And you're like exactly six feet tall. I mean, exactly, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I'm proud of it every time. Uh, any dude who says they're five, ten, they're five, seven and a half. Oh, you know, like it, we, we, it's just, it's just a fact. Anyway. <laughs> I keep moving. Anyway, it's a Tomoka Joe. Uh, yeah, oh, a hey guys, how you doing? Mocha Joe, okay. what's up? Uh, nothing much, guys. I uh, wish I could talk to you about a Beal trade, but uh, we'll talk draft instead. Uh, as far as Kaminga and Giddy goes, I'm definitely on the Giddy train. I, I really like what he brings. But I wanted to ask you guys a hypothetical. Uh, let's say they have, uh, let's say they pick Moody at seven. What do they do at 14? Because now they've got their three and D at seven. Uh, so how does that shift at 14? Do they look here? Do they look at Keon Johnson? Or And let's assume that Davion Mitchell is out. What would you like to see them do hypothetically if they take Moody at seven? Thanks, guys. What? Mocha Joe, appreciate it. Well, I feel like if you take Moody at seven, what you're telling me is you think he could be more than a three and D player, yep. right? Like you th- you're buying the shot creation. You think he's like Middleton 2.0, that type of thing, where it's like, all right, it's not going to be flashy, but it works. You know, you get, you get to your four to five assists. You can create off the bounce, that sort of thing. Um, I think the thing that makes Moody uh, intriguing is you could start him with just an easy three and D roll, and maybe it comes around later where he's handling yep. a little more. Yep. So I don't think it actually affects how you pick at 14, long, long story short. I think at 14 – you're you're either taking the prospect who you thought was you're going to take at seven who slipped, or you're taking someone like Davion Mitchell, Chris Duarte, Trey Murphy, who's just like I can plug this guy into my rotation day one. Know that they can do some winning things. I think if you get the draft, if you get Moses Moody and and, and Davion Mitchell out of the draft, I mean that is that's a great haul. I mean that's just two guys that are more built to play day one than most other players, right? Like we throw around Book Knight and Wiseman. Those guys aren't going to be playing any, any, any real NBA minutes. I mean, most likely, you know, neither is Moses Moody. He's 19 years old, as, as Vassini reminded us on our last podcast. So, um, but those guys are, are just, they are NBA role player traits today. And, uh, and, and they've shown they have, like, it's, it's like the shooting thing, Sam. It's, it's like, People kind of devalue the shooting when they when they talk about drafting, 
because it's like, oh, that's all he could do. He could shoot. But you're like, well, he could, he could probably play in the NBA right now versus someone where you're saying, well, he's athletic, he's long, he has a lot of potential, but you're like, oh, it's probably going to take him four years to become an NBA player. It's like that type of like, Yeah, what is, his, what is his standout NBA skill right now? And you can't really <laughs> answer that. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, he's really long. He's athletic. How I feel about Kaminga. <laughs> Xander, what's up, man? Hey, guys. First time, long time. Um, so as like a, a Michigan transplant in the Bay Area, obviously, I'm really rooting for him to take Franz Wagner. Like, love that. Dude kicked ass to watch at Michigan. I'd like, love to watch him in the Warriors. Um, but the one thing I wanted to ask is, like, it gets thrown around a lot with, like, a who's the most NBA-ready person. But I don't really hear people say, like, oh, what's the NBA skill that they really want for that person to be NBA-ready? So I was thinking, if you had to pick, like, one skill that you want, like, that NBA-ready rookie to have, like, what do you think that skill would be that would help the Warriors out the most next year? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, so, so Xander's point is, like, to be NBA-ready, you have to be able to at least do one thing at NBA level. Like, the reason we think Moses Moody could play day one is I think that shot translates day one. Like, at minimum, he can help you space the floor a little bit, right? Um, what skill would you want the most, Andy? I mean, I love that he asked that question because I kind of just brought it up. It's we've watched years and years and years of this undersized point guard who weighs 160 pounds, who's been underrated, still is underrated today. Because when people talk about Steph Curry, they still call him the greatest shooter of all time. And that's not who he is, right? Like that's, they, they just value that part of him. But you know what the crazy, but that's how great he is. They still underrate him by calling him that to me. That's the most important part. The goal of basketball, the goal of basketball is to put the ball in the hoop. And so if you are able to shoot, Trey Murphy, I think I, I saw shoots 42% or something from three. Like if you're able to shoot and you're able to shoot at that high of a clip, you're gonna be able to play basketball for a long time. And so that's what I that's what I would look at. That's why you say James Wiseman, it's so important for him to shoot threes. I agree. Like you just gotta be able to shoot. Absolutely. Um, I'm gonna go back more to Xander's question directly. And I'm going to hedge. I don't actually have a preference. I just want them to have one specific NBA skill. This team has a lot of holes in it. They need another big man. They need at least two bodies off the wing. They need another shot creator. That's four things they need to figure out in the offseason immediately. If a rookie can help, if a rookie can help one of those things, that's great. If, if Josh Giddy can come in and help shot creation day one, give him kind of a second unit floor general. Boom, that helps you. If Book Knight can come in day one and give you a little scoring punch in the second unit, boom, helps you day one. If Moses Moody comes in, hits, gives you some more shooting helps. Like they, they have maybe five players in the rotation for next year on the roster right now. It's like there's a lot of stuff they need to figure out. And one of them is like Clay Thompson. So, yeah. I mean, uh, he, by the way, you see a clip today, he, was, he looked like he was limping. But right, Tommy Gunn, resident Steph fan. Uh, with the with the comment, Steph is the only top twenty player of all time shorter than six five. Like it just correct. It's just incredible. Just in, incredible. <laughs> yeah, correct. It's incredible. By the way, shout out Katie Ledecky. Looks like she just won a gold uh, after losing one earlier today. Big swimming fan. I am Sam. So shouts to Team USA. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, uh, first off, Arslan Kazemi told us that he's locking up Katie tonight, so I'm ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming home. No, but uh. The, the thing I have is, what are we doing here? SGA is available, and we're just sitting here twilling our thumbs. He um, he suffices. Oh, do, 
Do you really think SGA is available? Yeah, they don't want to pay him. (laughs) There's been articles on multiple sites that say they just don't want to pay the contract because it doesn't match with their timeline. And he matches our timeline and he appeases the erudites and the goons. It makes complete sense to go for him. (laughs) I do agree with you. He would be an excellent player um, for the Warriors um, in the Beal mold. A little longer, better defender than Bradley Beal. Since everyone, by the way, best tweet I saw today was from Jake Clark saying, everyone who has takes about Bradley Beal's defense is lying. You're not watching the Washington Wizards with a clipboard (laughs) writing down what he's doing on defense. Just stop. I thought that was the best thing I saw today. Um, If SGA is available, I do agree with you. They should go for him. I'm just not convinced he is. Yeah, the thing I saw was... uh apparently the thunder have just been throwing his name out there and it's going to persist even after the draft. So he's a guy that's going to be continuously available because the thing is, there's still an asset accruing mode and they really, and apparently they're G- Presty loved Wiseman last year and Pist- the Pistons GM Troy Weaver was high on Wiseman who was part of Presty staff. So just, just connecting dots here. They are high on Wiseman. Wow. Appreciate the call. By the way, Sam Presti being a Wiseman guy makes all the sense in the world. Like the Thunder just – that's another thing that worries me about Kuminga, by the way. If the Thunder don't want Kuminga when we know how much the Thunder just love raw athleticism. Doesn't that make you kind of think a little bit? It's like if uh, Masai Ujiri called me and he wanted to make a trade, I would say, yeah, fuck off. <laughs> I'm with you. I agree. I agree. Sorry, man. Omar, are you there? Hey, Omar. Hey, yeah. Thanks, guys. Uh, quick question: How are you? How are we feeling? Like temperature check? You know, two days to the draft. There were some Beal links. How are we feeling about smoke screen season? Because I'm getting a little twitchy. Maybe I'd be a horrible poker player, but uh, you know, we listened to the plus minus today, um, and it seems uh, we had that Lake of interview a couple of months ago. It seems there is this sense where everybody in the league expects us, you know, to make a big splashy move to want that win now type of player who's actually, you know, proven in the NBA. And it seems that there are some voices in the organization that, you know, they're pretty happy with cost control contracts and, you know, threading the needle some more. We're two days out and yeah, I'm, I'm blinking furiously. So I'm just wondering, like, where are you guys at with this in terms of kind of the motivation to do something and, you know, how much they're working the phones, uh, you know, with or without Bill happening? Because, of course, Bill would be a outstanding outcome, even though some seem to be displeased by that. But, you know, um, <laughs> there's other possibilities out there that aren't like a home run like that. So how, how are we feeling in terms of prioritization here from the organization? Omar, 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 we are 45 hours away from the, uh, from the draft. Come on. You can't be, if you're losing it now, this, this is the best offers aren't rolling in yet. Like, yeah. like someone, someone, the Warriors th- are throwing out Wiseman in 14. Actually, no, sorry. The Warriors are throwing out Wiggins and a future second for BO right now. Come on. Come on. It's not, not, we're not there yet. Maybe, may, they might be willing to give you the rights to Nico, man. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. So this this is part of the reason I didn't think a trade was going to go down draft night. And I'm just going to, you know, I, I'm happy to be wrong, but it just feels like everyone thinks the Warriors are aggressive, that they're going to try to slow play it. And 
kind of waited out a little bit. And for all you know, that might just mean three weeks. That might mean after summer league. That might be August 30th. doesn't really matter. They're not playing games till November anyway, right? I think I, I don't, I just don't see a scenario where the Warriors make a trade on draft night because I think they're going to end up having to overpay, and I don't think they want to overpay. The overpay in relative comparison to who, right? Like who is saying overpay? Is it the Warriors saying they have to overpay or is it the other team, right? Because it, it feels other like team. the Warriors certainly value their picks more. Um, I And I still think that there's a chance that something happens on draft day. I, I think that – yeah, I think that it, it, I think that it is going to happen just because what team would want to trade for a player that they can't draft? It, right, it, right. Like it's that's the only thing. And oh boy, reiterated this a few times. Yeah, just just watch yeah. Tatis take the A's like five hundred feet. Oh, sorry, <laughs> is he leading the league in homers now? Is he? He might be. He might have overtaken Shohei. Those guys are incredible. Baseball is in a yeah. good place. Yeah, unlike anyway. No. <laughs> Uh, I, I think, okay. Um, okay. Let me ask you this. What is, what are the chances that the 14th pick goes, uh, for some, cause I don't think seven goes. What are the chances you think the 14th pick goes for a vet player? I just think, I just don't think they're going to make a trade unless it's for someone who moves the needle. Like Shea Gilders Alexander moves the needle. Bradley Beal obviously moves the needle. I just can't see them doing, even though I threw it out on the timeline, I don't think they're going to be like, the number 14 pick and a protected first for Derek White. You know, like that type of like marginal God, that's move. Such a that's good like, move though. That's, that would be such a good I mean, it, 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 may, it objectively makes them better, but like I, I just I don't think uh, the Warriors are looking at it like that. They'd rather hoard assets and wait till the big fish comes along. I, mean, I, I agree with you. I think that is the move as well. I don't think they're doing those, those quote unquote minor moves. Absolutely. Did I cut off there for a second? Uh, uh, okay. Oh, you did. Oh. oh, here we go. Special guest. Jeez. Oh, Jeed. You got oh, me? Jeed. Yeah, we can hear you. Also, apparently Gratterall's pitching. Thanks. Thanks for the update. Oh, yeah. I can't, I can't find the remote, so I'm just going to have to do it. <laughs> What's up, bro? What's up, man? Oh, man, not much, man. Just, you know, 48 hours away. The world's about to end. Uh <laughs> A lot of I'm seeing a lot of anxiousness among amongst the fan base. People going crazy. People people acting like I know anything. DMing me and wanting to know shit. I'm like I don't know. Ask Sam and Andy. They probably know more than me. That's <laughs> just ask Sam sources. There's nothing. There's nothing he don't know. Sheed, can you Sheed, can you confirm that seven, fourteen, and Wiseman are being traded for Ricky Rubio? <laughs> just ruin ruin the joke there i don't i don't, what do you think would get the fan base most angry um with what happens on draft night i i just i don't know like i i, I don't know what would make the the fan base angriest just i think they just I, I think everyone's yeah. i think it's like they're already split they're already angry like you got the you know you're wasting steph and clay and and, and dre and and you got the other side saying, like, you know, build for 2028, guys. Like, That's I, right. I, like, I'm envisioning Joe Lacob's office and, and guaranteed, like, on his, like, on his big whiteboard, he has, like, a scenario laid out where he's like, I could get 12 first-round picks for Steph right now. Stop. Stop. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, you know, just laid out and then 
kind of wondering how what he could get for Clay and and Dre and et cetera. And there's probably a scenario where he has like 40 first round picks just you know through the next 10 years, and he's just gonna. <laughs> We get you get off of here. Joe Joe Presti, are you talking you talking about <laughs> this guy wants this guy wants to be the Thunder so badly. Um Do you want to be the Thunder? He wants to be the Celtics, he wants to be the Lakers, he wants to be like everything in one. It's like, dude, you like let's just let's focus, guys. Like you already <laughs> let one uh you let one generational talent walk out your door. Let's not, <laughs> Let's kind of let's tighten things up and and get this shit figured out. I wonder, you know, I I do wonder sometimes if the Warriors do end up using seven and fourteen. I, I do wonder what Steph and Draymond are going to think. I am curious. Like, are these guys going to be okay with it? Is it going to be dependent on the player? Or are they going to say, Joe, what the hell is going on? I'm not Draymond sure. is Draymond going to go to war with the uh, the Warriors Instagram account some more? Dre's gonna Dre's gonna send you know hit the group chat with what the fuck and Lakers gonna respond with the the pic of him with the wide open floater. <laughs> That's end of story. This is why we this is why we drafted Kai Jones. Yeah. She appreciates you. Keep moving here. Oh man. Yeah, oh, I get to follow Sheed. Fuck, this is best <laughs> McW- day. McWalters, what up, man? Hell yeah, Sheed, fucking legend. Thanks for hopping on. Um, yeah, I mean, what the hell would the Warriors do to piss them off? But yeah, probably make these picks. That's probably one thing that would piss them off. And then start sprinkling their names in trade rumors, too. That would also piss them off. But um, I, I actually think going young is a, is a great idea. Put a core in, just bury him in the G League. Heck, bury, trade back out of 14. Get us an asset in the future draft, bury someone overseas, and then go into free agency and find the veterans we're looking for on vet men's, right? If we're really that worried about keeping the current roster and winning something now, we're not going to necessarily find it in the draft unless unless we get really lucky and someone falls to us that's not supposed to fall to us like Suggs, right? Or we trade up, which doesn't seem like it's likely right now. Um, otherwise, you make, you make the picks and you make the best freaking do of it and, and go from there. Um, and here's hoping that we get a shooter and someone that can play D like Moody, or maybe even just an offensive weapon like Book Knight, or maybe someone big who can shoot like Wagner, or maybe even Murphy at 14. And then have fun and be fans and hope these guys ball out and we can trade a couple of them for some better assets. Well, I don't Talk see why everyone's getting so upset over who we're going to pick. I love this it. This is fun. I do agree with you. It is fun. Um, I think this is a perfect call to end the show on. A little positivity. We're so close to the draft, Andy. I don't know. I, 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 I can't even follow up McWalters there. I, I think uh, Pastor John. I, I think I'm just going to call him Pastor John from now on. Um, <laughs> I think I think the um, the good vibes. Throw out positive vibes. You know, whether your positive vibes is trading everyone for Bradley Beal, or your positive vibes are trading seven and fourteen for future first round picks. I think. Uh, <laughs> Warriors fans are anxious. Let's uh, let's breathe a little bit. Like like we're saying, Sam, there are 44 hours, 45 hours left. Kirk Lacob has uh, 16 trade offers that he's thrown out there. There are going to be 16 more counter offers coming back tomorrow. So, um, what we're going to do this again tomorrow, Sam? We're going to do it every freaking day. Um, and then the Warriors next week they have uh, they have uh, summer league uh, in Sacramento. So 
the Green Room Light Years Podcast. We keep going. And then, of course, then of course, we have the Light Years Draft Show Thursday night. Vegas. Let's go to Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> Got the draft show. Appreciate you all, guys.